This is Sports Talk with Phil Cornblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on sportstalksc.com, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right. Well, I'm confused. I don't know about you. I am totally confused. I was in Gainesville, Florida and saw the South Carolina football team that day. And I was at Williams-Brice Saturday night and saw the South Carolina football team that day. So I don't know what happened in the seven days between the two. The Gamecock football team that was on the field at the University of Florida, did it actually return to Columbia and go out on the field at Williams-Brice this past Saturday night? Did they hire a bunch of imposters to go out there and, and play the Vols and score, you know, practically every time they had the football and put 63 points on the board and, and looked like, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think, looked like Air Coriel out there at times. I mean, it was just crazy. So what does it mean for this week? This, of course, the week of weeks, the days of days, the nights of nights, the hours of hours as we count down to the Palmetto Bowl returning to Death Valley for the first time since 2018. Clemson seeking to become the first team in the series to win eight straight, favored by two touchdowns. But what does it mean? I ask you, 888-898-2525. Was were the Gamecocks just a one-time wonder Saturday night against Tennessee, or is that a new standard? Is that how they will play moving forward? I mean, think about it. They were well-prepared with an excellent game plan. They executed it perfectly. Spencer Rattler put balls in windows that you just haven't seen all year. Receivers caught practically everything. They ran the ball effectively enough. The offensive line did not allow Tennessee to penetrate. Almost every player, I think, played their best. The defense did give up yardage. You're going to give up yardage to Tennessee and points, but they did come up with enough stops to give the offense a chance to go down and score again. And when Tennessee almost caught up, the Gamecocks responded again. They outscored Tennessee 21-7 to in the fourth quarter, so they did not wilt. And the offense did not need points from the defense or the special teams to put 63 on the board. They kept their penalties down. It was Tennessee who got hit with penalties. No turnovers. I mean, is this a one-off or is this a new deal for South Carolina? Can they play that way Saturday? If they play that way Saturday, and that is an if, maybe it's a big if, but if South Carolina plays that way Saturday, we'll have a ball game. I think we'll have a ball game. We haven't had a ball game in this series, a true competitive ball game in a long, long time. I mean, what the last time the Gamecocks actually had much of an offensive presence in this game was up at Clemson when Jake Bentley had the big game throwing the ball. They had over 500 yards, but Clemson had like 
700 yards and could have scored 100 points that day if they wanted to. You never thought South Carolina was going to win because they couldn't stop Clemson. The Clemson offense was on fire that day. There was no stopping them. So even though that was a high-scoring game, it wasn't a competitive game, really. Clemson dominated. But South Carolina has got to play that way, and the question is, all week long, can they do it? Or was that just smoke and mirrors? And they just had a great night where everything kicked in perfectly, and they called a team, I mean, not by surprise, but I'm sure they shocked Tennessee. I'm sure Tennessee didn't know what hit them. And they hurt the quarterback. Unfortunately, Hooker now done for the season, torn ACL. Of course, they didn't hit him. I believe he just, um, I think he went down non-contact. I think his, if I remember right, I think his cleats caught and he went down. I don't think he was hit. So what a night in Columbia. And it could not have been more perfect for South Carolina. Beautiful day, a lot of recruits, great performance, stormed the field. Cost you 100000 I hear G.G. Jackson's going to pick up the tab from his NIL, so no problem there. Uh, but $100,000 fine for the Gamecocks from the SEC for that. So, at least it got Clemson's attention. There's no doubt now. Not that they wouldn't have had their attention, because Dabo Sweeney puts a lot of emphasis on the Palmetto Bowl. And he's not one to let the rivalry game just slip up on him. So... But this certainly adds a little more to it, I would say. Now, Pat, you were up at Clemson Saturday covering the Tigers. I thought they looked, the part that I saw before I had to leave, I mean, their offense looked terrific in their first possession. They went right down the field, and they scored. And I think next possession, they went down the field and they scored. I mean, they pretty much took Miami out of it quickly, and – Of course, defensively, Miami had, uh, against the Clemson defense, Miami had less than 100 yards. So a complete performance by Clemson, which is something we've come to expect from the Tigers, game in and game out. But they were on their game against Miami, and South Carolina was on its game against Tennessee. The question is, I know Clemson will bring it because they've done it every year during this winning streak. Can South Carolina bring it? the way they did against Tennessee uh, this past Saturday night. That is the big question of the week. So tonight we'll take your phone calls. Zach Willis will join us. Phone number 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number. Get more of your predictions. We had some predictions last week. Get more of your predictions tonight and hear what you think is going to be um, the case uh, in the ball game this coming Saturday. That'll be our focus throughout the week. Of course, it's a short week for everybody. No show on Thursday night, Thanksgiving. No sports talk. We will adjust our schedule uh, tomorrow night. We'll have uh, Will and the Thrill with us. And uh, let's see, Wednesday night we'll have um, Chalk Talk at regular time. And uh, the Pastor of Pain will move to Wednesday night. And we should have Mike Morgan, per usual, on Wednesday night. So the major adjustment is on a Talking Tuesday, we'll have two of the big talkers with us in the Will and the Thrill to get everything in this week. But for the most part, tonight we're going to open it up and take your phone calls. 888-898-2525 is the number. Of course, over the weekend, the USC women, number one in the country, defeated Stanford out there. Boy, I've never never seen a, a highly ranked team like Stanford is handle 
the last, what, minute or so of a ball game as poorly as they did. I mean, they just imploded in the final minutes of that game against South Carolina. But a great win for USC on the road. And they stay uh, ranked number one in the polls this week as they get ready for another game out west against Cal Poly uh, tomorrow. South Carolina men not so fortunate. 0-3 in the Charleston Classic. Won by the College of Charleston. Kudos to the Cougars for winning their own tournament for the first time and beating some good teams, and they're playing some good basketball. Frank Martin came back to the state and got a trophy. How about that? UMass won the Myrtle Beach Invitational on Sunday. So Frank Martin said, remember me? I just won a championship. And uh, he did it in Myrtle Beach. So good good for him and good for, uh, good for UMass. And let's see, um, what else? Uh, uh, Bergie is not with us tonight. He is uh, on his way to Missouri with the uh, Coastal Carolina basketball team. They lost a tough one up at Upstate on Friday. Now they're heading out to play Missouri. And Upstate will play uh, the Gamecocks on Friday afternoon in Columbia. And uh, Clemson, I think they're playing tonight, aren't they? Clemson has a game tonight against Loyola of Maryland, I believe it is, up at Little John Coliseum. You know, once we get past this weekend, we'll we'll be able to focus more on the uh, the college basketball scene here in South Carolina. But we got to get through uh, this this big weekend, this big football game uh, this weekend. By the way, uh, the the uh, the other thing too is you know Clemson moved up. Yeah, Clemson is playing Loyola of Maryland tonight at seven o'clock. Um, now Clemson uh, uh, moving up in the AP ranking on Sunday. They're now up to seventh. You know, they had fallen as far as 12th. Now they're up to seven. There's only one team with two losses ahead of them, and that's LSU. They moved past Alabama in the AP poll. Of course, that's irrelevant, but maybe, you know, you kind of get a read on what the playoff committee ranking will look like when it comes out tomorrow night. But that's just something extra for Saturday because Clemson realizes that, and I'm sure this is something that they'll be talking about, they still have a chance, of course, if they keep on winning. And they win impressively. Uh, they got a chance to impress the committee. Obviously, it's subjective. Uh, a, a huge win over the rival to cap off that uh, regular season. And then you go and beat North Carolina badly in the ACC championship game. You know that either Ohio State, Michigan is going to lose on Saturday. How far will one of them drop? But that will open up a spot. And... You know, they certainly, Clemson certainly needed Baylor to beat TCU. It came right down to a kick at the end. Do they hold that against TCU or do they credit TCU for the way they went and won that game by running the field goal team on in the final seconds and kicking that field goal to win it? I mean, that was close. Uh, Ohio State had a little bit of a tussle with Maryland. Michigan had a little bit of a battle with Illinois. Uh, Do they lose points with the committee? by the way they won those games, or do they get credit for how they won those games? I mean, all of that could have fallen Clemson's way on Saturday. It didn't, but it could have. So they need some help still, obviously. They'll get some from either Michigan State or Ohio, from either Michigan or Ohio State on Saturday, and then they'll need um, they'll need others. I mean, I don't think they're not going to get enough help from Georgia Tech to beat Georgia, and um, and an undefeated Georgia in the SEC championship game as long as they're not routed, they're they're still going to make the playoffs with one loss, even if they were to lose the SEC championship game. As long as it's not a blowout, embarrassing loss, which it wouldn't be, they're going to make the the playoff for sure. 
So that's one spot that you know about. Now, the other three are still to be determined with the games left to be played. I don't think there's anybody else that, uh, well, I don't know, um, Ohio State or Michigan, whoever wins that game, if they were to lose in the Big Ten championship close, would they get the benefit of the doubt and get a spot in the playoff with one loss? I don't know. I don't know that the committee feels about them like they do for Georgia. Georgia seems to be the one that's, um, barring a loss to Georgia Tech, pretty much locked in. Um, but Clemson will need some help. They'll need to take care of their business. Pat, you were up there Saturday. You saw the Tigers, and I thought they were impressive. I thought they came out with a uh, a sharp mind, a sharp attack, focus, ready to go, and, and took the fight right to Miami and took Miami right out of it. They did, but first I'm going to back up for a second. Uh, you, you left out one key team that Tiger fans are watching anxiously, and that is Southern Cal. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Southern Cal this weekend plays Notre Dame. So both of those teams, obviously, Clemson knows knows very well. USC from now watching Notre Dame from playing this year and losing to. But Notre Dame has moved up to number 13 in the AP. Obviously, UNC losing over the weekend to Georgia Tech hurt Clemson a little bit because now that's not as good of an opponent in the ACC championship. But if Notre Dame were to lose to Southern Cal, not only does that hurt the strength of schedule because Notre Dame moves back, but it also would then further implant USC as being ahead of Clemson with only one loss, their loss coming on the road to Utah, who's ranked right behind Notre Dame. So these things are all connected here. But if Notre Dame is able to help out Clemson and beat Southern Cal, that knocks out another another team there that sits in front of the Tigers. Then you got to think they're pulling for Georgia to beat LSU. That knocks out two of them, Michigan, Ohio State. The path is starting to get a little clearer. And then with, uh, with South Carolina beating Tennessee, that helps as well. But, of course, now you have an extremely confident Gamecock squad going into Clemson. Yeah. Now I move forward. So, yes, you, you hit the nail on the head earlier. And I, I kept mentioning this last week that it seems as though, and maybe this is simple for me to say, but a good start is very beneficial for a football team. Uh, 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 momentum is, is huge, and building confidence is huge in sports. DJ, in particular, I feel like has, has done well when he has seen the chains move on the opening drive of the game. He has, a, a, a especially in a third and long type completion, and this week against Miami, he had two deep completions on that opening drive to extend the to drive, move the chains. The Tigers scored three touchdowns on their first uh, four possessions, and I, I got to tell you, that the defense was spectacular, but that Miami offense was just lifeless. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yes, uh, Wes Goodwin has had his team's playing far more aggressive ever since that Notre Dame game. After the game, uh, players on the defensive side were telling us in post-game interviews that the the intensity at practice is way above where it was earlier in the season. Now, of course, that would make you question why wasn't it that way all season long, Mm. but at least they're correcting it better late than never. Um, I hope this comes out correctly. I don't mean to be critical of Wes Goodwin, but he was a new coordinator. He had never been the one out there calling the plays. And I could see that making anybody nervous or maybe a little hesitant to be as aggressive with your play calling. But it seems like now he's taking a far more confident, uh, aggressive approach and having his front seven really pin their ears back and, and go after the quarterback. They were living in Miami's backfield all day long. They had five sacks. They came really close to having. They could have had eight or nine. They had a couple near misses on the outside. But uh, the defense was swarming, had a lot of gang tackles as opposed to one-on-one open field tackles. Um, and then the offense was just was clicking on all cylinders. Streeter, got to give him credit. He was very creative with the offense. DJ connected with 12 different 
players on the offensive side of the ball, and eight of his 24 completions were to tight ends. This, I believe, feel confident saying that this was the most the tight ends have been involved all season. He had three different tight ends catching the ball, two different tight ends scoring touchdowns. Allen in the middle of the field was wide open all day long. They were doing these quick slants across the middle with the tight end, maybe 10, 12 yards downfield, and that was wide open all game long. They kind of went away from that a little bit in the third quarter, but then went back to it in the fourth and added an additional two touchdowns late in the game. The defense added a safety in the third quarter. Um, it was an all-around good performance. They came out confident, and I think the defense needed that, especially with this now high-octane, high-flying Gamecock offense coming into town. All right, very good. So it's a good day all the way around for everybody. Let's hit our opening break, and then we'll get to your phone calls. Number 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number here on Sports Talk since 2002. More than $6 billion in lottery proceeds have been used to support South Carolina educational programs. Learn more about the lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash education wins. Playing for fun is a win for education. We'll be back here at the Dave and Buster Studios in Columbia after this break on Sports Talk. We're with Major Billy Downer of DNR. Of course, hunting is very popular across the state of South Carolina, Major Downer. What things should our hunters be thinking about before they get out in the fields? It seems like every other show we're talking about hunting safety of some sort. Whether it's turkey season or deer season, hunters always need to be aware of the target. Make sure before you pull that trigger that you know what you're looking at. Whether it's a turkey during turkey season or a deer during deer season, you know your identifying features of your game. You know what's beyond that target in case you miss. Learn more about the great outdoors in South Carolina with Major Billy Downer on SC Wild here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Your home is where your memories live. It's where you laugh and where you love. We understand the importance of the valuables under your roof, tangible and intangible alike. So no matter what's around the corner, we'll be there, offering you and your family the support that's made Farm Bureau Insurance a trusted name for nearly 70 years. You deserve more. You deserve a promise. Learn more at scfbins.com. Call me, Alex Satterfield, at 803-749-9171 for all of your Midlands insurance needs. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's, where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions played it for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at seccattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program.
right, it's the week of weeks. It's the night of nights as we count it down to the big game on Saturday. Reminder, on Friday night, we'll be at Dave & Buster's in Greenville broadcasting sports talk. If you're up that way, come by and say, hey, love to see you. Love to put a name to a face. Love to uh, shake a hand. So we invite you out to Dave & Buster's in Greenville. That's at 1025 Woodruff Road. It's right there in that big shopping plaza off Woodruff Road. You can't miss it. I was at Broadway at the Beach location on Thursday night, just hanging out, watching the the football game and eating. And it is it's fan all all their locations: Columbia over at Columbiana Circle, the Woodruff Road location, Broadway at the Beach, all fantastic locations. And we'll be in Greenville a Friday night, getting up there early, hoping to beat the traffic. And uh, come on by and say hey, if you would love to see you up in Greenville. Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. Quick question off our feed coming into us here tonight and the question is from uh, tanner do you have any sources that tell you who called the play saturday for carolina thank you for the question yes i do have a a great source his name is shane beamer and he was asked that question last night because i cannot believe i want to call i want to call you a name but i'm not going to call you a name i'm not going to use an adjective I just can't believe that there are people out there who claim to be Gamecock fans who, in the wake of a great victory, all they're concerned about is who called the place, you know, and contrived stories about Marcus Satterfield. Okay, I know there's angst about Marcus Satterfield out there. You can you can feel how you want to feel about him, okay? But according to Shane Bieber, unless he's lying to everybody, Marcus Satterfield designed the game plan and called every play on Saturday night. He said, Beamer said he suggested one deep ball, one big pass play to him. Otherwise, he called every play. So, you know, people who are making up stories about, well, I didn't see his lips moving when they were sending in plays and watching it on television. I didn't see him looking at his play chart. I didn't see him engaging. I mean, come on, seriously. You're coming off one of the greatest wins in the history of your program, and you got to worry about that? I mean, I'm just that's just mind-boggling to me. Phil, I've got a great three-word response to that young man. Find some joy. Find some joy. Find some joy. Find some joy. All right. Um, it was the greatest offensive performance that I've seen at Williams-Brice Stadium since 1975. That was the day they went nine for nine against Clemson. But one was called back by a penalty. So they scored on every possession against Clemson that day. And that was the game when Clemson said, this will never happen again. And they went to work to fix their football program. The Gamecocks put 56 on them. Uh, to the board, uh, to the board, to the phones we go. And 888-898-2525. Hank in Columbia, you're up first tonight here on Sports Talk. How are you? And we'll carry you over if you run out of time. Okay, Corn. Uh, first, I want to glad you mentioned it. Congratulate the uh, women on that victory yesterday. That uh, was a good one. And it's always like that when they play Stanford. I mean, Stanford was the last team, the, the last ranked team they ever lost to, um, and they lost on that Boston layup. So it was one of those Stanford Cyclone blocks. But looking at the, the game, um, it wasn't the, the thing that was so incredulous about the game the other night, Corn, was that it wasn't smoke and mirrors. We didn't get the special teams score that we normally get or special teams play that slipped the field. We didn't get the the um, out crazy interception. 
they just went straight up and played them and continued to match the offense score for score and the defense um had more hope. They they refused that Clemson didn't I mean Tennessee other than the busted play from the Williams and I, I accepted from him because remember when Emin Warrior got ejected, he was pressing the play. Nobody even knew who he was when he went out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he played pretty well other than that one busted play. But it was the incredible thing about it, Corn, was how, how the offense just basically lined up and ran the offense. Yeah. I mean it wasn't a bunch of crazy flea flickers and all that other than the the joiner play. It's just how they lined up, and they went right out, and they continued to use the same plays, and they just made plays. All right, hang on. You deserve more time because we ate up a bunch of it. If you want to hang on, we'll get to you. We'll continue with the other phone calls and more back after the break. Clemson goes first because they're the home team. I don't want anybody to think, well, there they go. Playing Clemson's fight song. Go Tigers. No, they're the home team. They get the fight song first this year. South Carolina had the benefit of being the home team two times in a row in the series because of Greg Sankey and the SEC and their stupid rule that wouldn't allow them to play. I still can't get over that. I mean, apply common sense. South Carolina could play an SEC team that day. Clemson could play an ACC team that day, but they couldn't play each other. Now, somebody with a lick of sense, somehow the SEC has some scientists that had some formula, something they were rubbing on their players that that was more protective than what the ACC players were had, what their scientists had to keep them from COVID. Is that not the stupidest, dumbest, most ridiculous thing you've ever heard? And it it ended one of the longest streaks of a rivalry in the country for no reason, for no reason, just because he's Greg Zank, uh, Sankey czar of, of the world. I'll never get over that. Never. Uh, all right. Back to your phone calls. Triple eight, eight, nine, eight, two, five, two, five. That is our phone number here on sports talk. Uh, Hank, you got a couple more minutes because we cut you short. If you haven't given me your prediction, I need your prediction as well. What you got? I don't, yeah, I don't know what the um, I don't, I don't know the prediction. I don't, I'm not, I'm bad. I don't make predictions, Corn. Um, well, I don't but, either. Uh, I just deliver prophecies. But you got to give me yeah. something. Uh, well, the one thing I want as a prediction, I want you to prophesize that Carolina will get killed and that everything <laughs> was smoking mirrors and that it's just horrible. I, just don't I didn't see how say it was smoking mirrors. I said, was it smoking? I'm, I'm just questioning. Nah, you cannot look at that Carolina team on Saturday night after watching them the week before and not wonder what the hell happened. That's why I want you to prophesize that because every time you, uh, you're a big up and down guy, so every time you <laughs> – prophesize that you just can't see a way for Carolina. That's when they put on a good – so I want you to come out with all – I'm cheering you on to just talk about the, how they're going to get murdered. But the problem for you is <laughs> now I see a way. <laughs> I see a way now after watching that. I no. Mean, they were spectacular. No, they, I tell you how good done. they were. I tell you how good they were. And this is no knock on the young man, but you know Eric Douglas went down briefly with an injury, had to come out of the game. Well, Hank Maynos goes in. And, you know, Hank has hardly played, 
and I watched him because I thought this could be trouble. He he held up just great. I mean, he blocked the middle. Nobody came through. And my point is, is that I thought almost everybody, if not everybody, on that offense played their best game at the same time. And that's what you well, got to do think, to do something like that. Well, you remember, Corn, I told you when uh, when it was some weeks ago, somebody tried to question whether they thought the carry on even was a, D, a D1 player. And I said, hey, that kid's a D1 player and he can play. And he did some good things, not only with his scoring, but if you look at some of the blocks he le- he led down the field uh, on some of the plays, he was good. But the but the second thing that you saw out there, though, which was so crazy, was they didn't run a whole bunch of trick plays. Uh, when you go back and watch it, it looked like they they had about 15 or 20 plays, and they continued to run them, but everybody executed. That line, other than about two or three pressures, that line kept them off Rattler. And when you, kept, and when you keep them off of him, you see the pinpoint accuracy he was throwing with. Who made so, money Saturday night for the Gamecocks? Did Rattler make money? Did Cam Smith make money Saturday night? I think they had some players really improve Wells, their draft well, stock in Wells, front of the Corn. world. Wells, yep, yep. But Rattler, Corn, yeah. You did one thing you didn't see. Remember when Georgia played Tennessee, and they said, "Well, Georgia, we had so much success because Georgia was able to lock the corners up and then just let everybody up front do it." And and we put our corners on their receivers one-on-one and let everybody else play. And other than that bus, other than that bus and that first drive, all those long plays that Tennessee used to hit when he was throwing them, even with their catches and their non-catches, we always had a corner step for step with each one of them, didn't we? They played excellent. All right, Hank, thank you very much. They played excellent. And with, you know what? Uh, Pastor Payne said that the other night. He said, Put the put the corners on the receivers on an island and let them play man to man, and let them go at it. and And that's what they did. If you've got corners, I mean, supposedly they're they're NFL quality corners. Why not do that? I got to believe you're going to see who from Clemson's receiving core would you put Cam Smith on and say go get him? Would it be Antonio Williams? Because he was all over Jalen Hyatt. His job was Jalen Hyatt. Will his job be Antonio Williams? Um. They had some other guys catch balls, as you pointed out, Pat. They moved the ball around quite a bit. The, the tight ends for Clemson were very, uh, very uh, much involved in, in catching the football. Uh, Ngata caught some balls as well. Um, uh, they might have Collins back this week. Dabo Sweeney's non-committal on that. So, who do you put? Who do you put Smith on? I mean, I guess you put him on Williams and say follow him and don't let him get out of your sight. Yeah, I would think Antonio Williams would be the answer there, but but remember, Williams isn't actually on on the field for every play either, so he may. Uh, that's actually a great question. I, I don't. Do you think he's large enough to cover a tight end, or would that? Would I wouldn't think so. There, I wouldn't think so. Uh, we continue with your phone calls. Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. Offer up a prediction if you uh, so choose. As uh, we are headed next to, uh, is this who I think it is? Let me just double check. Um, the only man or woman or child in America who thought the Gamecocks would win and said so on this show. Did he not? Did he not, Pat? Oh, he did. Very confidently, yeah. Gamecock Larry, you, sir, are a genius. Welcome into Sports Talk. What did I tell you? I told you all the other night, Friday night. I told them all. 
Uh, everybody, I had the laughter, I had the ridicule, I had the doom and gloom all week from all, everybody. That old boy, they just come, oh, they're going to lay 60 on you. They're going to lay 80 on you. They're coming down there, they're they going to put it on you. You do good to score three points. Well, let me tell you something. We scored 63 points. They gave us 22 and a half. That's 85 and a half points to 38. Who laid 80 on who? <laughs> okay, another thing. I told you, he who laughs, laughs, laughs best. Mm. And I even almost laughed in church Sunday. <laughs> Thinking about that game, I'm gonna tell you, and I can hear that. I can hear that Clemson in old Bills boys. I can hear Clemson, Clemson, Clemson. I can hear all oh, Clemson, Clemson, Clemson. I'm gonna tell you. I think I made a prediction last week. I don't know whether I did or not, but if I did, feel I got to change it. I'm going to tell you, I don't care if they want to know who called the plays, who done this and who done that. I don't care if Cocky called the plays. I don't care who called the plays. All I care about was we laid 80 on Tennessee. And we won the game. And we knocked them out of the playoffs. And we're going to knock another team out of the playoffs Saturday. Well, you gave us now your prediction we, last week of 31 to 17. You want to stick with well, that? I'm t- yes, no, no, no. I'm going to change that. I heard somebody say a while ago, Crimson favored by 14. Well, I'll give Crimson 14, and they'll, they'll score about maybe. They'll score. Well, they're going to score. They'll score 21, 24. They'll score about, that'd be 35, 30, 38. They'll score 38. But we're going to lay it on them, and we're going to put 70. No, 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 no. We're going to pay 58 on the board. 58-48 Gamecocks. 58-48 Gamecocks. Okay. I don't care care who's calling the plays. They can have the drunk on the corner down there come in and call the plays. If they can call the plays like they call the plays Saturday night, we may lay 70 on them. That's all I got to say, Phil. I'm nice talking to you. Yes, sir. Let me listen to you. Let me listen to your radio just a little bit. Well, I want to see what you're going to say about me, okay? No, listen. I, I, I got complete I and utter respect for you now. Uh, and, and whatever is in your Geritol, I wish you'd share with the rest of us because you, I would say wise beyond your years, but you're 88, so I don't know how. Yeah, that'd be really, 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 really wise. But you nailed it, my friend. You nailed it last week. Nobody else. I'm serious. 79,000 plus at Williams Bryce Stadium, which is over capacity now. You know, capacity 77,000. They announced 79 plus because there were some empty spots. But there wasn't a single soul who wasn't on the Gamecock sideline who thought they had a chance to win that ballgame, if they were going to be honest with you. Not a single soul. And certainly nobody saw 63 points coming. So complete shocker Phil question for you I mentioned earlier that that Clemson connected with 12 different players on offense uh, receivers so did South Carolina just counted them mm-hmm. as well yeah especially you include uh, Spencer Rattler had one one catch for that 15 yard pass from to carry on Joyner 
So they also connected with 12. So Satterfield was spreading the ball, spreading the love around as well. Now my question for you, though, is, so we hear this more talked about in the NFL, but it's also in college with a quarterback and having, the, having to have a good internal clock. You have, to, you have to be able to not only make quick decisions, get rid of the ball quickly, but you almost have to have a good clock knowing how long until the, the defensive linemen are going to get to you. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I'm not saying that it was bad earlier in the season, but it sure looked like Spencer Rattler had that dialed up something nice this weekend. Did, that, did it seem better to you, like he had a better feel for that internal clock this game than maybe earlier in the year? Absolutely. And the one thing I still think he's got to do a better job of is being more decisive when he runs. He's still like the like one of the first scrambles he he took off on, trying to get a first down, and he gave himself up about a yard short. Now you know he could have stuck his nose in there, easy for me to say, but he could have stuck his nose in there, plowed ahead, and gotten the first down. They got the first down, of course, on the fourth down play, but he seemed a little indecisive. He's going to have chances to run against Clemson. Because with the pressure they're going to put on, there'll be some gaps that open up. He's just got to be more decisive when he takes off and runs. But I thought as far as reading the pass routes and putting the ball where it needed to be, it was uncanny. I mean, just look at his numbers. Look at the average per completion. Look at the number of big plays they had. I mean, off the charts in every category there. So, yeah, he was on his game. They were all on their game. And that's my question to open up the show. Is that a one-time wonder for South Carolina, or can they repeat? If they repeat that, okay, if they repeat that, it'll be a ball game on Saturday. It will. It'll be a ball game. But they've got to play to that level. If they don't and Clemson plays to its level, it'll be a beatdown. It's pretty, it's pretty simple as that, if you ask me. It's not complicated. Uh, 888-898-2525. Larry, pretty amazing. We go to Delvin and Fountain Inn next. Delvin, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Phil? We're doing great. Well, first of all, I want to give a congratulations to the Furman Paladins for making a, having a home playoff game this weekend against Eli. Congratulations. Clay Henderson on a great year. Glad you brought that up. They beat Wofford uh, soundly, finished 9-2 and two with uh, a... a, a uh, a loss to Clemson that was respectable and a loss to Sanford, which won the SoCon. So they've had a great year. They get Elon at noon at home at Paladin Stadium and uh, see if they can advance. Yeah, man, it, it, it's, it's crazy on Phil how one, well, a Mr. Boy last week was fired Marcus Satchfield. Now that Mr. Boy this week is, he didn't call the plays. Hey, we need to give Marcus Satchfield a raise, man. Where would this been all this, all this time? It's crazy. But, you know, the life of, of a football coach, a football team, it's week by week. You know that. You follow it. You yeah. win, especially now. I mean, it's become – I mean, I can remember years ago, it wasn't such a roller coaster ride. People were more accepting of losses for some reason back 15, 20, 25 years ago, maybe because there wasn't social media for everybody to be heard from. Now nobody is tolerant. There's just no toler- – even on the Clemson side. You don't think people were getting after Brandon Streeter, and they've been getting after um, Goodwin all season long. Um, you know, even though Clemson's been winning, except for that Notre Dame game, and that's why Dabo Sweeney had his moments this year when he lashed out at his fans and said, "Hey, chill." I mean, you know, we we've we've lost one game, we've we've done this, we've done that, and he had to start reciting the accomplishments of the team. He shouldn't be put in a position by his fans to have to recite what they've done simply because they got beat on a night when a team played great and they played lousy. 
Now they've bounced back from that, and they've won their game since then. And we'll see what they do on Saturday. But the tolerance for losing by the fan bases everywhere not is non-existent anymore. It's a shame. I mean, people just don't don't understand how tough it is to win these days. Yeah, just ask us, man. Do they want to be testing any of them in Auburn right now? Yeah, they, 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 that's, the, that's the question. But uh, you were talking about uh, Sonny Dice. I can understand they knew the field uh, in the last minute. You had a timeout where you could have used the field to keep the field going there, then, but you waited to run one more play, and, and you, like you said, he cut it close. Mm-hmm. Cut the field, cut the kicker was the last person on the field. You saw everybody else line up, then the kicker just ran on the field. Yeah, yeah. crazy. But they say they practice that every Thursday at TCU. I don't think they do it that way now. I don't know. I mean, I've heard the comments that that's how they practice. Now, do they do they practice it where the, the kicker runs on there at the very end? I mean, I'm not in their practices, but – you know what? They got it done. It saved their uh, playoff hopes, and, and they're still in the top four. So it worked out for them. Thank you very much for the phone call. Deion Sanders, according to a report, CBSSports.com, citing sources, has been in conversation with power brokers at Colorado and South Florida. Now, power brokers, is that money people or is that ADs? Sanders has not talked to anyone at Auburn as that search continues to uh, to move on. I didn't realize Dion is 55. Interesting. Didn't realize he'd gotten that long in the tooth. Phil, real quick before we go back to callers or this is break, uh, Delvin brought up the fans there, and I want to make sure, because we are at times critical of Carolina and Clemson fans if they, if they were to leave early or maybe they're not quite there on time for noon games. But South Carolina fans, and I hope I'm saying this right, they had excuses if they did not want to go Saturday. After the way the squad played it down in Florida last week, it would not have surprised me if maybe some fans from out of town figured, you know what, maybe I don't want to drive up from Charleston or down from Charlotte or whatever and go to the game. But they showed up and they showed out. that From the moment, from kickoff to the very end, that stadium was rocking. Now, I did not get to watch the whole thing live because I was traveling back from Clemson for most of it, doing post-game work. But I watched the replay uh, yesterday, and that was some of the loudest I've heard that stadium in years and years. And so just got to make sure we shout out and give kudos to the fan base, the student body. They were there, they were loud, and they, they made their presence heard. Oh, yes, they did. They were a big factor. And, you know, South Carolina is very good at home at night. I think I saw where they were 7-0 and at home at night here, I guess, over the last couple of years. But on the road, they've won a couple of SEC games, but they're stepping into uh, – well, the, the, the Swamp was tough territory, and you saw how they performed there. And Death Valley will be tough territory, uh, and we'll see how they perform there when they go up there on, on Saturday. Uh, noon kickoff, will that make a difference to the crowd? Will that, you know, subdue the crowd a little bit? The other thing to think about, too, and we'll ask Chuck Reedy and Ellis Johnson because they coach there, late afternoon sun, do you want to have the west zone to your back? Or do you want to be going into the west side? If it's at your back, then your receivers are looking back into the sun looking for the ball. If you're going towards it, well, you know it's the opposite. We'll be back. 
Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. Hope, life, and the Great Palmetto. What do these things have in common? Scholarship dollars. The SE Hope, the Life, and the Palmetto Fellow Scholarships are funded by the lottery players of this great state. And after 20 years, you've invested over $7 billion in education. $7 billion. Impressive. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win. In Columbia, South Carolina, the game days are our specialty. Whether you're watching the game from inside the stadium or from the big screen at your favorite local spot, the energy remains the same. Craft the perfect fall Saturday in a city where there is plenty of action on and off the field. From tubing and kayaking to Soda City to rooftop restaurants and plenty barbecue. We're ready when you are. Plan your weekend at experiencecolumbiasc.com. All right, we're back on Sports Talk. Arkansas putting a whooping on Louisville, 67-42, under five minutes to play out in, uh, in uh, Hawaii, in Maui, and uh, Louisville about to fall to 0-4 on the season. Man, oh, man. Arkansas is going to improve to 4-0. Uh, and oh. and uh, what else is going on here? Uh, LSU was a winner today. Uh, they beat Illinois State 77-61. Uh Bucknell beat Presbyterian 66-65 today. And Clemson plays tonight against Loyola of Maryland. Uh, back to phones, 888-898-2525. Recruiting coming up in the second hour. It's meaty. It's juicy. It's just good. you got to be there for it, so don't leave us. Uh, Andy in Columbia, up next, here on Sports Talk. Welcome in. Corn Pat. Happy Monday after a Tennessee ass whooping. Mm. Indeed, indeed. God, uh, who who are underneath those uniforms when you went into the locker room to do interviews, uh, Corn? Because I swear it's not that same team to play ten other games before that. I think I saw Sterling Sharp coming out. I think I saw Rick Sanford. Corey Miller was taking off a uniform. Um, JD, uh, Steve Tannehill. <laughs> 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 It was a bunch of it was a bunch of Gamecock ghost past. Gilmore, Gilmore, probably, probably. I tell you what, I was very impressed by Cam Smith because I was going to call towards the end of the week and say he was probably going to have anywhere close to ten holding and um, pass interference calls against him, and um, he really um, shined, and I think had the best game that he's ever had at South Carolina. I thought that was unbelievable what mm-hmm. he did. Um, very impressive. And he um, kind of put a clamp on Mr. Hyatt, which was very nice for us. Um, but just 
I mean, defensively, yeah, maybe we didn't play that good. But, you know, after they scored that um, touchdown in the um, third quarter on their second drive, they only had seven more points after that, Tennessee, Mm -hmm. which I think was very impressive um, for our defense because all you heard all night long at the beginning from uh, Mr. Herbstreet and Mr. Fowler was how tired South Carolina looked because they couldn't rotate their defense off the field in time because of the pace that Tennessee was playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're talking about those two gentlemen. Or maybe I should put this towards South Carolina. We're going by USC now. Should we insist in broadcasting, especially on an ESPN broadcast that's a national broadcast, that when they're talking about us as South Carolina, they should refer to us as USC. Absolutely. And especially when they're referring to Southern Cal mm-hmm. during our game, call them USC. Yeah, I would absolutely insist. And I've said I that mean, to people over there that they don't listen to me, but I would certainly insist. I mean, that's the – and if people if they come back and say, well, everybody outside of South Carolina calls them the USC or Southern, that's not your problem. Okay, get educated outside the borders of South Carolina and realize, you know, this USC was the first USC. But you can't get people around here hardly to do it, you know. But, I see writers around here who should know better, who should understand who their audience is and who you're writing for or you're talking for, that yeah. USC is South Carolina, not Southern Cal. But you can't, you know, people are just stupid and they don't realize. I mean, this audience listens to us. USC has been, is, and always will be USC, not Southern Cal. Now, if I was doing a show in Montana, I might would think of it differently. But if you're broadcasting in Columbia, South Carolina, and they want you to call them USC, by God, you call them USC. So I agree with you 100%. Hit the break. We'll come back with more of your phone calls in a moment. Plus, recruiting is around the corner, too. Zach Willis also. We'll be back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Okay, we're back. It's the uh, Monday after, the Monday before. It's the week of weeks, the night of nights. By the way, happy Thanksgiving. I know some of you will be uh, bolting, heading out of the area, heading out of the state. Remember, we're on tomorrow night, Talking Tuesday. We're on Wednesday. We're on Friday. We'll be at Dave & Buster's up in Greenville on Friday. As we come to you tonight, of course, from the Dave & Buster Studios right here in Columbia. Of course, we remind you about Dave and Buster's. Be sure to eat, drink, play, and catch the big games all season long. Dave and Buster's, Greenville, Columbia, Myrtle Beach. What a great, great place that is. Greenville, Columbia, Myrtle Beach. Check it out, Dave and Buster's. We'll be up in Greenville on Friday. Come see us. Love to say hello. And um, what I was going to say, though, if you happen to get out of range of one of our fabulous radio stations we hope you get us over the air over the radio because that's what we're about radio and we hope you endorse our radio stations and you endorse their advertisers like you endorse our advertisers but if you lose us of course you can get us on our streams on twitter 
and Facebook and YouTube and also our audio stream on our website, sportstalksc.com. Uh, I do want to mention this if I may take a moment. I didn't count it up, but I think probably from Saturday night covering the football games through last night, we must have put 20 stories on sportstalksc.com. Everything from the, the Gamecocks, Tigers, to the press conferences, to the conference calls, to the recruiting, to the Furman stories, to the basketball stories. I want to remind you of that, and I want to ask you to go to our website, look at our stories, and also go to our uh, digital ads, click on the digital ads, and be in touch with our advertisers because we're free. We're a free website. And the only way we stay free, of course, is through advertising. You don't have to pay five ninety nine a month. We don't offer dollar-a-month specials. And nothing is uh, secretly popping up on your credit card every month. Um, we're a free operation. We want to stay free. Uh, and to stay free, of course, we need you, our listeners, readers, to endorse our advertisers. And hopefully you do that. Maybe you go and shop. Maybe it's a, a government agency and you appreciate what they do. You reach out to them. But click on those digital ads. That way they know that you are endorsing them. You are reading the stories. You are seeing their advertisements. Uh, just like David Shelton's One Team, One Cause digital ad. Click on that and get information about what David is doing to help the people of South Carolina. So we appreciate that. I just want to remind you, we're free. Uh, that's what a free media is. We're supported by our advertisers. We need you. We hope that you will support our advertisers who support us. That's what makes our world go round. And you can't beat free people. You can't beat it. So, but you know, what's free is not always free. We depend on people to support us. We depend on you to support them. That's kind of how it works. So please do so. Okay. I had a couple of notes I wanted to pass along too, before we get back to phone calls, we've got recruiting coming up as well. 888-898-2525 is the number. And we got some replacements on the rosters for the Touchstone Energy Bowl. Cameron Austin of Conway replaced by Malik Horton of Hanahan. Will Jennison of South Aiken by Elijah Raiden of Gray Collegiate. Vay Morton of Greenwood by Bryson James of Clinton. Apollos Cook of Airport by Taylor Washington of North Augusta. A lot of honors for South Carolina today. Um, Shane Beamer named the Bobby Dodd Coach of the Week coming off that win. Shane Rattler, the SEC's Co-Offensive Player of the Week, left tackle Jalen Nichols as the Co-Offensive Lineman of the Week. Kai Kroger, one of 10 semifinalists for the Ray Guy Award for punting. South Carolina, as a team, was named the Cheez-It, the Cheez-It Bowl National Team of the Week. And and USC assistant head coach, special teams coordinator Pete Limbo, a semifinalist for the Bowden Award. Now, Clemson's Will Putnam was named the ACC offensive. Uh, that should be offensive lineman of the week. I put offensive player in my tweet. Should be offensive lineman of the week. Way to go, Corn. That's a mistake. Uh, Furman, a consensus number 11 selection and a pair of Monday FCS top 25 polls. Winners of six straight, 63-28 over Wofford. Oh, Furman scored 63. The Gamecocks scored 63. Uh, Furman is ranked 11th in both the Stats Perform and the AFCA FCS polls and will host Elon 
Saturday at noon. And what else? What else? Um, oh, golly. That's so busy. Uh, Brent Thompson not returning to the Citadel. His contract expired. The Citadel is not going to renew his contract. And they did finish with a win at VMI on Saturday. So at least they go off with a W. After winning the SOCON in his first year, he finishes with three without a winning record, a 36 and 44 overall, 27 and 31 in the SOCON. Uh, really, they were hurt by, by COVID. Remember, they played both a fall and spring schedule that COVID year. You might remember him being on the show with us and saying they were like on a football field 200-and-something days, something crazy. And that kind of took the life out of them, to be honest with you. You know, Was that fair to put them through that? And the result, I don't think they ever really recovered. You know, Plus a program like the Citadel having to deal with uh, transfers and players um, – moving up to bigger programs and stuff like that. Plus, you know, what takes a special person, special player, to go to the Citadel. Citadel has retained the services of College Sports Solutions to conduct a national search for their next uh, football coach. But one of the names that pop up already is Maurice Drayton, former Citadel standout, who is coaching and is considered a, a prime candidate for that job, at least in speculation right now, considered a candidate for that job. But Brent Thompson, just want to say with us, always um, willing to come on Sports Talk, always forthcoming, always straightforward with us, appreciated him very much. He was uh, was a heck of an assistant coach under Mike Houston. I mean, that's what turned the Citadel back around when that that group came in from Lenore Ryan and uh, just couldn't sustain it. We wish him well, wish him the best. I'm sure he'll be coaching somewhere else in the foreseeable future. And our poll question of the week is this. Poll question of the week. Clemson is a 14-point favorite in the Palmetto Bowl, considering how the Gamecocks played in beating Tennessee. What now? Now, like this week, what now is your opinion on what will happen Saturday in Death Valley? Your three options are Great eight, Clemson romps. Finally, a close game. Or found some joy, USC wins. 38.9% say Clemson romps. 33.6% say close game. 27.5% say USC wins. I'll give you my pick later in the week. I'm still, I'm still trying to definitely, I have a, I have something in mind, but I'm still mulling it over. I have to think on it and drink on it a little bit more before I come forward. Have you already got a pick in mind, Pat? No, and, and sorry, I was actually going to back up a second and ask your, your thoughts on the Citadel head coaching position. Now, he's from Tallahassee. He's coaching in a hometown team, hometown, home te- hometown school, and he only played at the Citadel for one year after transferring from Clemson, but do you think the Citadel will reach out to Willie Simmons? Do you think that he, he's done a fantastic job at, at Florida A&M? They're 9-2 and two this year after a couple early losses, but again, he's from Tallahassee. Florida A&M's in Tallahassee. I don't know if he would even be willing to leave, but he's shown to be a, a high-level, very successful, very capable football coach. Do you, could you see his system working at the Citadel, and could you see them reaching out to him? Well, that's the question. You know, the triple option 
works well at schools like the Citadel, where you're limited in the talent pool that you can attract players from. I mean, we know that. Can a place like the Citadel get quarterbacks and receivers and skill position players to compete at a high level? Uh, it's tough for them. You know, Army, Navy, they still stick with the option offense. I'm not sure that that you could that you should change it all up, you know, and try something different. Um, but they've been been doing what they've been doing the last several years and it hasn't been working. So maybe a different approach will work. But I'm not so sure going to the spread for them is going to be the answer, you know. But that's an interesting that's an interesting uh, name to bring up. You know, he does have a year of experience. He wasn't a cadet, so he's really not. He doesn't have a lot of skin in the game down right. there at the Citadel. Right. But neither did Brent Thompson. I mean, he was an assistant and got promoted to the head coaching job because Mike Houston and his staff did such a great job when they were there. He was a fan favorite, though. He was very well received, very well appreciated and liked during his one year at the Citadel. I remember my dad's a Citadel grad, a lot of men in my family, and we went down and watched just about every home game uh, that one season he was there in 2003. And I just remember how much of a fan favorite he was. So I could see him being received well uh, that higher in Charleston. But to your point, that would completely go against kind of the frame of Citadel football, running the triple option and all that. All right, let's get back to some phone calls. Uh, we've gotten kind of off the clock. 888-898-2525 is our phone number. And uh, let's see if I can pull up the uh, the list again because my – Computer just shut down on me since I, I let point. the battery die. What you got? We are going to stick right here in the Midlands with Nick here in Columbia. Okay, Nick, thank you for your patience. Welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? I'm good, man. I uh, first of all, I want to congratulate Game Talk Larry. He's a good guy. I'm happy for him. You know. Um, second of all, your poll on the poll question. Yeah, I have to go with the uh, the straight eight. Huh. You know, it should be nine except for COVID, but uh, mm-hmm. y'all, got, y'all got out that one year because of COVID. But uh, I do believe that this year Clemson will tie Texas A&M for eight wins in a consecutive wins. And we're working on that, but we're going to pass up Tennessee that year. You know, that time they had 12 consecutive wins. So, you know, between us and Texas A&M, we're, we're having a tight contest. Have you got a prediction? Score-wise? Yeah. Yeah, I'll, let's just go with the Tennessee game. It's up reversing. So, you know, we, we did 60, 63 to 30, wasn't it? 38. 38, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll you think the Gamecocks will score that? 38 points? <laughs> I'm listening to Gamecock Larry, man. I mean, he, he called it last week, but... You know, I just don't see the win, like I said. Uh, you know, but I, I did say something to Mayor Rickman this afternoon. I think it's time that, that Coach Beamer has his own staff. You know, I mean, you know, Don Stagley has one. Hmm. George Rogers has one. I don't remember if, uh, if uh, what's his name, the, the baseball coach. What's his name? Nah, Ray Tanner, all he has is a street. He doesn't have a statue? Not yet, no. Yeah. Hard to build a statue to yourself when you're the AD. That looks kind of um, showy. No, man. South Carolina, it's USC. You don't care about all that. Hey, thank I you very much. Start a GoFundMe page. There you go. Oh, have a good night. Thank you, my man. All right, got you down for sixty-three thirty-eight. It's not very creative. He's stealing the score from this past week, but 
the only pick in favor of the Gamecocks is Gamecock Larry, and he he changed his to fifty eight to forty eight. So, okay, some people don't think we got a seventy twenty eight Clemson, a forty two ten, a thirty eight three, a thirty one seventeen, a twenty eight fourteen, and a sixty three thirty eight. Uh, Clemson basketball up eighteen to eight on Loyola Maryland. Second media timeout. Let's go back to the phones, and it is um, Billy in Charleston. Good to have you with us tonight. I hope the big kahuna is back on the air and over his little illness. Was he uh, Was he back on down there today? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, he was back today. I didn't get a chance to call him. I listened to him. He sounds good as always. Well, you he know, he got a nice good. dose of medicine Saturday, I'm sure. I'm sure he did, and I'm sure he probably had a few crowns afterwards, too, if he was feeling better. <laughs> That'll, kill, so, yeah, that'll kill any germ in your body there, that's for sure. And, and, you know, Phil, this is why South Carolina fans like us have uh, been around forever drink, because of games like this. Because, <laughs> you know, from one week, like you said, to the next, and first you scratch your head, and then you're like, where does this team come from? What happened? I actually had to watch the game over a couple of times just to make sure I was watching what I was watching. Yeah. I was like, um, the question I got for you is, Say South Carolina goes in because I think they got more than a big chance now of beating Clemson the way they played. If they play like that, which is a big if. If they were to beat Clemson, has an unranked team ever beaten two teams in the top ten as far as having playoff situations in rain? And how big an upset would that be for this year as far as an unranked team doing that? So you're asking, has an unranked team – in the era of the playoff system, ever beaten back-to-back two top-ten teams right. like that? Right. That's a very good question. We'd have to do – can we get our research department to check on that? <laughs> um, um, I don't know off the top of my head, but that's a great question. And, um, two, with that, Lumen, and Carolina were to beat Clemson, I saw gateable possibilities. Is that a real possibility if they were to win Saturday? I would say so. Yeah, it might even be a possibility right now. I mean, I think getting to even seven, with- getting to seven regular season wins. I mean, think about this too for South Carolina. When you think about the overall picture, they got the seven wins now. So a right. loss leaves them at seven five. That's a game improvement over last year. They're four and four in the SEC. They're guaranteed a non-losing SEC record. They're going to finish third in the East. Who had them third in the East? Going into the season. No one. one. So Shane Beamer, uh, at the very least, can point to progress. Little progress. Beat Clemson, you point to major progress. Huge progress. And then go win your bowl game. Well, you know. Of course, you don't know who's going to be on the team come bowl game. That's part of the problem for USC and Um, Clemson. Now, Clemson, people are uh, painting them or or, or penciling them into the uh, Orange Bowl to play Alabama. Uh, figuring they're going to beat North Carolina, a North Carolina team that lost to Georgia Tech. How do you figure that one out, huh? It's unbelievable. And then look at Vanderbilt, too. I mean, Yeah, Vanderbilt team doing what it did to what Florida. Florida did to us. I mean, this is crazy. Nonsensical. Yeah. You know? And I was, just, I was just thinking about it. I was like, you know, in the top five games that I've been around for Carolina football, this probably has to rank in the top three as far as what I've seen. I've been to a couple um, – Alabama's always going to probably be number one, of course, and then right behind that would be the Florida State game in '84 that I was at, and after that, it's got to be Tennessee. Yeah, I mean this is unbelievable. Um, Have you given us your like pick? Said, Have you given us a pick? You know, you know, I want to give a pick, and I want to do it just to get under Clemson fans so bad, and I know it probably is more than unrealistic, but how sweet would it be if we were to score 63 points and they beat them 63 to 17? 
Mm. So you're saying now, 63? Was, is, is that what I'm, you're predicting? I'm predicting that just off a of limb. It'd, mm. it'd be like a wish for a dream thing, you know, mm-hmm. like being cop fan. You just, like, go with whatever. Um, I'm just going to say, just if that were to happen, even even if, if it's not the case, I just want to see them be close to shut these fans up for once and let them get a taste of their own mess that does not come out the playoffs. I mean, that would be the perfect season for us. All right. Thank you very much. And then one, other, one, other, one other quick question. Yeah, so, real quick. Uh-huh. Does Spencer, do you think Spencer will leave, or do you think it's possible he might stay if this season ends up going better and he wants to stick around for a possible Heisman Trophy run? Yeah. Thank you very much. My guess is, after what he did the other night, and I'm just guessing, I have no way of knowing, but if he has a great game against Clemson, and if he stays around for the bowl game, and has a great game. You know, who's in his ears? What are they telling him? What are the pros telling him? Um, you know, he's kind of getting up there in age, right? Because I had to go back and check. But didn't he, like, redshirt his first year at Oklahoma because he was playing behind? some? He was playing behind. Hertz was there, and uh, Mayfield was there, I think. Um, and then he played – he played partially, and then he became the starter. Help me out. Am I right? Yes, yeah, in 2019, uh, he's, let's see, he appeared in a total of three games in the 2019 season, and 2019 season, and thus was able to redshirt his right. freshman year. That's what yeah, I thought. That's right. Yeah. So 2019 was his first season. 19, 20, 21. So this is his fourth season of football, you know. And so he's probably about 22, maybe pushing 23, I guess. Age. He starts thinking about age now. Do you want to spend another year in college and, like you said, make a run at some sort of major individual honors and all that, or do you need to get your pro career going if people are telling you you got a chance to make it in the pros? He's 22. He was born September 28, 2000, so he just recently turned turned 22. So he'll be 23 next football season. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah, that's he what will. I'm talking about. Yeah. He'll be 23 next year. So I don't know. Those. My guess is – my guess is his plan was to come here to be a one-year guy, and my guess is after what he did the other night, he's probably feeling that right now. Like, hey, I can do this. I proved it. Now, prove it against Clemson, and I'm not sure he'll stick for a bowl game because they like to go ahead and get started with their their pro preparation. But he might be somewhat loyal to Shane Beamer in South Carolina and might want to stick around. So we'll see. All right, thank you for the phone call at least for the bowl game I'm talking about. I kind of got my doubts about next year right now. Uh, 888-898-2525. Clemson released its uh, depth chart, and it shows uh, Bo Collins starting at wide receiver for what it's worth, you know, for what it's worth. See if I can. um... Now let's take a phone call, see if I'll put my eyes on it while we take the phone call. We go to um, RJ in Lexington. Hello, RJ. Welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? I'm doing great, Corn. It's been a while since I talked with you. You doing all right? Hey, good to hear from you again. Welcome back. Hey, uh, you know, why can't we just go ahead, Corn, and say it's nine in a row? You know, we know what was going to happen that COVID year. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we'll just go ahead and say this will be nine in a row. That's probably the way it should be. And I hope Gamecock Larry's like – I think he's ten for his last fifty-two, and uh, and so I hope he I hope he continues to predict uh, Carolina's going to win. So um, I did have this. You talk about a coach for uh, the Citadel, yeah. And I have another Willie, but not the Willie that you're talking about. You know, you think Willie Corn would be given an interview? Oh, I think that what what he's done uh, 
down offensively and what he's uh, what he's learned from the head coach down there, I think they could come in and uh, you know put a, a dynamic offense there, do something special. What do you think about that? That's a great name. I mean, he certainly is paying his dues and has great background. And uh, but you know, Citadel is just and keep in mind you got the Charleston Southern job is open also down there, and the Walford job is open. But the Citadel requires. I mean, Ellis Johnson, we'll have him on Wednesday, and he can talk about it. It requires uh, a, a different type of person, a different type of approach. And today's young guys who haven't gone through that, who haven't been at the Citadel, coached there, dealt with the restrictive nature of the place, um, I'm not sure they want to step into that, you know. I'm not sure. We'll ask Ellis about that. He'll be a good one to give us some insight on that when he joins us on Wednesday night. Um, did you go already? I was going to get a prediction from you. Looking at the Clemson depth chart, so they've got Mitchell Mays now at left guard, replacing Marcus Tate, who's out for the rest of the season. And that's one change. And um, Ingata receiver, um, Williams at receiver, and Bo Collins listed ahead of uh, E.J. Williams at the other receiver spot. So they must be feeling pretty good about his return this week. Defense looks pretty much... The same as normal. Well, Trenton Simpson and Jeremiah Trotter. No, Trenton Simpson and Barrett Carter have switched positions. They just did that in the last couple of games, right? They put Simpson at the uh, Sam linebacker and Carter at the Will linebacker. And um, everything else is chalk for them as it has been. Looking at the Gamecock depth chart, really the only position where there's been a bit of a revolving door is that left guard spot, uh, Trey Jones or Vershawn Lee, or did they have some, um, was Ja'Kai Moore playing some there at left guard on Saturday? I think they've moved a number of different people in there and out over the last uh, few games. Everything else stays pretty much the same. Um, just uh, They do list, uh, now they might be playing with everybody here, they do list Marshawn Lloyd as the starter at running back. At South Carolina, but you know we don't know if he's going to be available to play because he hasn't been available since the first part of the uh, Missouri game. So, and we don't know that Bo Collins is going to be able to play. Dabo Sweeney said he's getting better; he's close, um, kind of day to day sort of thing. Looking at the defense for South Carolina, and the the two deep looks about the same as it has the last several games. Yeah, Rush and Cam Smith. And dial your corners, Eman Worry and Reed. And I'm sorry, Eman Worry and uh, DQ Smith. Your safety's back there. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. We'll see what happens. Going to see pretty much the same people. The question for South Carolina will be: Is Marshawn Lloyd going to be healthy enough to play? That would help. I mean. Bell did a heck of a job running the football, but Marshawn Lloyd makes a difference for them back there. They get him back there and healthy. That is a bonus. And we'll be back first and 10. The sound 
the shakes, the Southland. Isn't that what they call it? That's Tiger exactly right. Yep. Yep. Okay, let's welcome in another edition of First and Ten. First and Ten. Gamecocks had a lot of first and tens uh, because they had a lot of first downs because they set a school record for first downs in that game. What was it, 35, 36, 36 first downs I think the Gamecocks had? A school record. Uh, their total yardage was, I believe, I'm just going off memory, I, I think their total yardage was fourth most all-time at South Carolina. The passing yardage by uh, Rattler, I think, if I remember correctly, was ninth most all-time. Wow. We welcome in first and 10, Zach Willis. Uh, great to have you. Happy Thanksgiving. Can you uh, explain what South Carolina did offensively on Saturday, where that came from? Can you figure it yeah. out? Well, I think the best thing could have happened then was both their top running backs were out of the game. They were not available. So this this false uh, identity they had created in their minds, at least in mind of the offensive coordinator that they could run the ball against the SEC teams, he had to rethink everything he was doing. And the best thing that could have happened was they put it in the hands of one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, this guy was, was who he was at Oklahoma. He showed you exactly who he was when he got into an offense where the ball was in his hands and he got protected. They left people in to protect him. And actually, the offensive line did a, a phenomenal job protecting him all night long against Tennessee. This guy throws as good a deep ball, and this is not just according to me, but the NFL scouts too, as anybody out there, period. And if you watch the back shoulder throw to Josh Van, who, surprise, surprise, they decided to use Phil, and what happened? Uh, he beats people one-on-one -on -one just like he always did when he was all SEC. This is a very dangerous receiver, a big receiver with great body control, and he's got a quarterback throwing it to him. You know, a lot like that guy that got sacked seven or eight times the other day for the Vikings. Mm. But uh, you can't throw them when you're on your back. And guess what? Spencer Rattler was not on his back. And Tennessee was at his mercy. I mean, by the end of it, he was playing with them. That touchdown he threw where he scrambled around a little bit, played a little backyard football, yep. and hit Jaheim Bell in the corner. He, he was laughing if you go back and watch the game. This guy's a special player. This is not a surprise to me. only thing that surprises me is that South Carolina's coaches were actually able to figure out, hey, we need to attack to win a football game. And that's what they have to Our theme this week's attack. Well, good God Almighty, why do you put on a helmet and strap it up if you're not out there to knock somebody's head off and beat them, yeah. whip them? You, know, you can't ball up in a ball and stay in the corner, hide behind. we got a pro-style attack. What is a pro-style attack, first of all? Because... Um, there's that, that's one of those things you throw out there. It's a blanket cover for when you just grab bagging it. They had a plan going into this game, just like they had a plan in the bowl game. DeCarry and Joyner played a prominent role in this football game, showed his talent again. And honestly, I thought it was a showcase for the wide receivers, not just with, you know, with, with the receptions they were making and, and the, the distribution that Rattler was able to achieve, but their, their perimeter blocking was elite. They dominated Tennessee's defensive backs and their linebackers blocking downfield. If you go back and watch it, several big runs were aided by that. So it was a total and complete victory for their offense. Congratulations to the coaching staff. Phenomenal game plan. I've been waiting to see this great West Coast offense down the field throws. Great job by everybody. West Coast offense. Wow. Haven't heard that with them, but I think you're exactly right. So, 
my question when I opened the show was, was this a one-off or is this a new standard for South Carolina's offense? Can they repeat it? Of course they can compete it. Uh, com- uh, they, can, they can duplicate it. Um, yep. I, I, I mean, I don't know how else to think uh, than to think about, about uh, like a winner. And I'm not trying to be arrogant or anything like that. But the only way you should ever go into anything, and I believe Shane Beamer's this way just so people don't think I'm taking a shot at him. He said after the game, hey, we're a good, he said halftime, we're a good football team. And we're going to prove it. And they went out there and did it. And I think he asserted himself, his personality, into this game. I don't know what went on behind the scenes, who did it. but And I think it came from Lloyd not being able to play. And then when they got their second team back banged up and he couldn't play too, they had to go to this. And, they, you know, hey, there's some risk involved. But, man, Spencer Rattler is a special talent. The throws he was making – if you go back and watch these games, guys, other quarterbacks can't make those throws, and I'm not trying to put anybody down. I've seen one or two in my life in person that I actually coached, and they're making a ton of money in the NFL now. This guy's special, and he wasn't. A, he was a part of it, but defensively too, they did some things that we need to talk about too that were really outstanding. They played an incredible game. I can't. I don't want to stress enough how what an excellent they'd have beat anybody in the country Saturday night. I agree. Okay? Mm-hmm. They would beat any I, anybody I, in the country. I had that thought go through my head. I said, I thought to myself, you know, they played so well, and I thought it was a case where, and this is rare, every player I think played their best at the same time. I, I don't think there was one piece of slacking off offense, defense, or special teams. That was the kind of performance they had. And, and credit goes to the coaching staff. What are they doing to get them up after a bad performance against Florida? We all know they didn't play well. Well, Florida, Florida flip-flopped and played bad, bad, bad evidently against Vanderbilt. Congratulations to Vandy. But, you know, here's the thing. They did it. And, and people need to quit looking at this thing. And, it, and I hate to say this, but, you know, you can listen to the callers calling in, and, and everybody's in shock. And what everybody needs to learn to do is develop this into an expectation. That's how you develop a winning culture is you expect to win. You have to force it at first. You kind of got to fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. But there's there's no faking it now. They went out and destroyed, embarrassed. You hung 63 points. That's nine touchdowns on the fifth-ranked team in the country. And many people had them penciled in a national championship game, me included in that. And they destroyed them. Well, the and only other beat- team to do that to, to- – Tennessee really, uh, and South Carolina outscored every other team that Tennessee has played. Alabama yeah. scored forty nine, uh, Florida scored thirty three. Nobody else has scored more than that against them, but South Carolina put sixty three on them. I mean, it, it, it could have done more. I mean, they they literally had opportunities, not many because they scored nine drives. But this was a complete defeat, uh, a complete domination. And no excuses and oh they weren't ready for this they weren't ready for that. Tennessee came out and, it, and there's a couple of key things here. Seven forty-five in the second quarter. I noticed Jalen Hyatt taking himself out of the game because he was tired. Uh, that that kind of shocked me. But but they did an excellent job on defense of playing a very tough concept called an off-man coverage where it looks like zone. You let them catch it up underneath and it's up to you as a as a DB to come up and make the tackle. And Cam Smith and the the Rush kid, they did it over and over and over and over. And by five minutes to go in the third quarter, 
Tennessee quit their hurry up offense. I don't know if you people noticed. They started standing around yeah. looking at the sideline. Yeah. They completely got out of that 16 second pace because they were knocked out of it. Yeah. Carolina out physical them. Their defensive backs, their defensive front, their linebackers were active. This was a, when you said it, Phil, it was in every phase of the game and schematically. The defensive game plan for this game was excellent. The offensive game plan was A plus, and the execution was A plus. You don't beat the number five team in the country 63 to, well, really 31. They gave them the last one, 38. Mm-hmm. Okay, but without elite. Elite coaching and elite execution on the field, and there's no reason if they come in eighty percent of that, they're going to beat most people. And it'll be. I hope they show up. I hope they show up on noon up in Clemson because I'd enjoy seeing another performance like that against that crowd up the road. Because I'll promise you, they've got their attention. Oh, no question. But Clemson played well against Miami yes. when you consider they came out of the gates and they scored a touchdown their first possession and I think the next possession I mean they put this game away early and then you hold a yep. team under 100 yards and I I don't care if they got me or you at quarterback that's that's doing a heck of a job there so Clemson seems to be rounding into shape as well and uh, let's hope we have both teams playing at a high level I, I think Clemson's going to bring it again they got so much there's no reason for them not to number one as you mentioned they've got South Carolina's got their attention but Clemson has a ton to play for in, in as it pertains to the college football playoff hopes. Well, absolutely. And, I mean, South Carolina still did a tremendous favor by beating Tennessee. Hmm. Um, and that, that's one down they didn't expect to go down and as poorly as the other top four played the other day and as shaky as Southern Cal's defense looked in their ball game, there's nothing to say they can't get back in it. Uh, the, if you, you lose one game and you're a conference champion, a power five is an 86% chance or higher that you get in the playoff. That's a fact. That's not speculation. That's not fans hoping. That's facts. Now, South Carolina just became a quality win because of what they did last week. They're no longer a mediocre or also ran type team. Mm-hmm. They're a football team that's very dangerous. I think in that ball game, Clemson did. They dominated the game. They did everything they needed to do, and I thought it was the best play calling they've had in quite some time. And, and and Big Cinco was definitely in the house. They played great, too. It was a really, really good day in the Palmetto State. If you're an unbiased observer to watch the two big teams in the state play, and very biased to see my Paladins go up and hang 63 on somebody. <laughs> Even in our best days, we didn't do that. So congratulations to them, too. It was well, a great day for South Carolina football. I mean, the state of South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, uh, Clemson had 27 first downs, 207 yards rushing, 232. 240, I'm sorry, 240 passing and uh, 447 total yards. They allowed 98. And you talk about Uyangale uh, and what he did. He, he rushed. He led him with 89 yards rushing on 17 carries. Uh, he threw for 227 and two touchdowns. He did have the one interception. But I think the significant thing that's happened here since the Notre Dame loss offensively is they've made him a runner, really maybe made him a runner first. Um, he's, they put the idea in his mind to keep it and go get it with your legs, and that will help set up the passing game for you. I think you're dead on the money, Phil. That was one thing, you know, in the in the Notre Dame loss, he gave up so many yards, uh, two or three first downs, 60-some yards, I think I calculated, uh, him not pulling the ball, not reading the give there, and pulling it. He has not – he does not miss since that time. And beat – you know, Louisville had another big win against NC State up here uh, this past weekend. So, again, it shows you how good Clemson's playing. And 
I think in this, I know you're going to get to the, what do you think about that ball game? It's going to come down to him. If he plays like he did against Notre Dame, uh, Carolina can very easily win this football game. He's going to have to have a really good game for them to control the game the way they want to. And even then, if Rattler gets hot and he just gets the protection he needs, which is a big if now, because let me say this, there's a big doggone difference between Tennessee's defense and Clemson's defense. Team speed, size, the whole nine yards. They're not going to lay back. They're going to come after you. They're going to come after you hard. And as one of my buddies said, it's a huge Carolina fan and booster down there to me. We always, since Dabo's been there, they always, they never take us lightly. And, you know, that's going to, it's going to, I'd just like to see a good game. I really would. Uh, but both teams this week, if anything sticks out at all, it's how good they both played. It's just phenomenal. And both fan bases ought to be tickled pink with the way their teams are playing right now. So the thing that you're pointing to both ways, for Clemson, you see the key, and it's simply to, it's simple to put it on the quarterback, but it's probably true, uh, how well Uyangalale plays, how effective he is running, uh, how smart he is throwing, how well he protects the football. And for South Carolina uh, – if Rattler is hot, if they able, are able to protect him, if the receivers are able to get some separation and make the catches, that's going to be the key for South Carolina. I think so. I mean, if you look at it, South Carolina, they weren't really getting a ton of separation. They don't have the most – other than Josh Van, as far as all-out speed, he beat, he beat some kids deep, and then he – you know, he's able to – then he got the fade stop on the t- other touchdown he scored. And he's a great blocker. But after that, you've got a lot of guys who are really just hard-hitting, hard-nosed, tough possession-type receivers that can break it if you miss a tackle or two. Clemson, of course, got the home run hitters. They've got the talent edge, no doubt. And that's why you got to say Carolina has to be there in the fourth quarter. Clemson's got Clemson plays a perfect game. It's going to be very hard for South Carolina to win. South Carolina's got to play like they did this past week, at least close to that in every phase. Now, the one phase you do give them they could block a punt or two, create some kind of special teams advantage, mm-hmm. and hang around in this thing, and you never know. And, of course, with the Palmetto Bowl, as we know, for you know, if we grew up with it, you never know in a rival game what can happen. But if you've got to look into a crystal ball, which I've never been very good at, mm. I, w- I would say, looking in the since, since Big Cinco got there and DJ, they both the same person, when DJ's playing – you know, they don't do too well. They're not going to win the big game. Uh, when Big Cinco shows up, like he did last week, Miami never had a chance. Mm-hmm. Like you said, what, 98 yards to us? Insane. That's, that's Little League football numbers. And he, he they destroyed two good football teams in Louisville. Miami's mediocre. I wouldn't necessarily call them good. Mm-hmm. But any, as you said, any you hold any ball club that low in major college, you've done something. And, and, and you know, uh, big number 11 didn't even play for him. Uh, he was yeah. out, so yeah. so so they're playing the man short. I'm sure he'll suit up for this one as he can, and it, it just makes it really hard. But if they're off a little, if they come out flat, which I can't imagine, but Clemson, in spite of that 40 game win streak, and their fans will tell you this, they tend to ebb and flow at home. They may come out flat, or they may, if they come out hot, they have a little in the second half. The first half of the third quarter, they didn't play really, really well, and everybody's wanting to play well so they can jump back up and have a chance at the playoffs. And 
you know, media was very vocal about that. The fans were, these fans know the game. And there are a lot of nervous Clemson fans out there, which I think is what makes their culture so great, is they're realistic and they understand what this game means. And I just hope that these transfers that are coming in here, especially for South Carolina, need to understand, okay, you beat Tennessee, but that don't mean nothing if you lose to Clemson. Yeah. That's how it's viewed. And I just – that's one thing I hope that Coach Beamer – and he knows the rivalry. He's been – he knows how important it is. And he's proven, at least in my eyes, to be a really good big game coach already. One thing he's proven, he's had some huge wins already. This would be the biggest one could he pull it off. But now, if you think they need to play good last week, guys – it's got to be at least that good this week, and Clemson's got to make some mistakes, which, if you play well, you can force them into, especially in special teams. My friend, we thank you very much. You have a great Thanksgiving with the family. Enjoy all the football coming up this week, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, guys. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Thank you. Okay, there you go. First and 10, Zach Willis up first with us every week to break it down for us. We appreciate him being with us, as always, with some great insight on what to expect in the ballgame. we got to come back and get that recruiting in. we got a lot to jam in, and we'll jam it in there when we come back from this break. It's Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Back in just a moment. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. If an insurance company is there to sell you insurance, shouldn't it also be there to service it with real people? At Farm Bureau Insurance, we're here to help with experienced agents ready to provide personal service when you need it most. Call today for your free no-obligation review for auto, home, and life insurance that's custom-tailored just for you. Whether it's home, auto, or life insurance, Buddy Bridges and Farm Bureau Insurance have the right policy for you. Call Buddy today in Lawrence County at 864-923-2174. South Carolina Farm Bureau Mutual Insurance Company. Southern Farm Bureau Casualty Insurance Company. Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, Jackson, Mississippi. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow-roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at seacattle.org. Beef, it's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. 
Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. I love sports, and I've helped people for over 30 years. Contact me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com when the insurance company won't pay your claim or you have complicated issues. Some other business causes your business to lose money? Jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. When you lose a relative and find out you got cut out of a will or don't get what was promised. When you have serious injury, like from a wreck or mishap or on the job. Jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. Founders Federal Credit Union knows your life is busy and your money is important. We are proud to offer local personalized services and convenient online services like Founders Online and the Founders app. You'll love being with us as much as we love serving you. Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership with Founders. Relax, win with Founders. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. All right, we are back. Got to give you the recruiting report brought to you, of course, by Seawells. They will be closed Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for the holidays. So get over there tomorrow for a Roast Beef Tuesday. That's right, Roast Beef Tuesday tomorrow at Seawells. Very best buffet in the world. Very best in the catering business, Seawells, 803-771-7385. For those of you watching us on our video, you're seeing highlights of one of the players who committed to Clemson on Sunday. That was Tavoy Fegan, defensive back, cornerback, 6 feet 170 out of Tampa. That's in the 24 class. So you can watch video of him while we talk about the rest of the recruiting. Clemson today got a commitment from defensive end to Marion Parker out of Phoenix City, Alabama, 6'4", 250. That's in the 23 class, giving the Tigers... 22 commitments and on thursday they are expected to get 23 in the class receiver tyler brown of greenville announced his commitment expected to be clemson usc and clemson in the top 10 with 24 receiver jonathan paler of burlington north carolina the others are maryland ohio state nc state tennessee north carolina alabama georgia and lsu he was at usc and clemson for games in october 23 running back Jordan Louie, who's drawn Clemson interest and was in on Saturday, was offered by Vanderbilt. He was also at Clemson in October. He's also been to Georgia and North Carolina. Clemson offered 24 edge linebacker Christopher Jackson, 6'4", 220 of Tucker, Georgia, and 24 kicker punter Nolan Hauser of Cornelius, North Carolina. And he was in for the game Saturday. And 24 receiver Ryan Wingo of St. Louis, he also was in for the game Saturday. USC target running back Khalifa Keith of Birmingham committed to Tennessee. USC target Nick Harver told uh, 24-7 Sports he's got an official to Georgia now December 16th. He'll take one to LSU in January. He was at Maryland Saturday. He'll take an official there December 9th. He's taken officials to USC and Michigan. He'll announce February one. 2024 athlete Mello Jones of Swainsboro, Georgia, was offered by USC. He was in on Saturday. 
USC had another official visit over the weekend from receiver Edwin Joseph of Hollywood, Florida. Of course, they had also in for an official visit over the weekend the big uh, junior college offensive tackle Blackstock from uh, Coffeyville Junior College in Kansas. We'll talk more about him tomorrow night. But he was uh, very impressed, and South Carolina is very much in the mix for him. 2026 left-hander Jax Robinson of T.L. Hanna committed to the Gamecocks. That'll do it. See you tomorrow. Talking Tuesday. Uh-huh.